This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. That's kind of the way we're, we're treating this. You know, we never really get too far ahead of ourselves, but we're going we're gonna to show up tomorrow. Uh, again, I think we got a pretty good idea of where we stand. We also have the, the luxury of, of carrying some extra guys on that taxi squad in case we ever have to do anything. So, um, you know, you do have a few more things to normally think about than you normally would, but I, I think we're right there. Rocco Baldelli talking about uh, the future World Series winning Twins in a shortened season. Again, Mackie and Judd today, we're going to dive into and we're going to bring an old segment back and we're going to layer it on top of the Twins and the Vikings. And we'll wrap with Royce today as well. But a quick shout out to our friends at Luther Brookdale Toyota on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. They have been keeping their entire showroom and service area clean and safe for you, the customer. So if you're looking to get into a new vehicle, one of these 2020 RAV4s for just $249 a month or 1.9% financing for 60 months if you want to buy that thing, you can do so very safely. They will also bring a vehicle to you if you'd rather it be done that way. Stop by their website to snoop around their open inventory right now, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Again, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Come in with a good uh, mentality and frame of mind every day. You know what to expect from a lot of guys. And that's what you get when you get good veteran players. You get reliability. You get guys that you can have uh, real conversations with. And then they also bring it out there into the clubhouse and and they exude it. They they kind of uh, they show everyone how to do it. Rocco Baldelli, Twins manager. So uh, let's bring a conversation we were having before we crack the mics here. The the latest, and we're gonna, we're getting into con- uh, confidence, curiosity, concern. Will be a segment we bring back here to start the show. We're gonna layer it over the Twins and the Vikings heading into training camp. But the latest update from the NFL and the player side is as they go through these last minute ridiculous negotiations. They've agreed on no preseason games, and they've agreed on no. It's been offered. I think the, they've haven't they agreed? No, though? The, the, play, NFL, the NFL offered no. I see what you're the saying. The players requested it. The league now said, "Oh, sure," but nobody's gotten back, and because we're going through the dance. Well, but the NFL has moved to no preseason games. Yes, but of course, that's only like a small fraction of the overall agreement that needs to be reached. And uh, the other agreement is that they will do daily coronavirus testing for the first two weeks of camp, and then survey the results, and then maybe move to like an every other day thing. Yep. But they've yet to talk about the big elephant in the room, which is what about so, all the money and the revenue so lost? Here's what, what we didn't discuss, and we probably should have on Monday show. All right. This is all an elaborate rope-a-dope. 
So all of this stuff about testing and safety, the league was basically lying and saying, well, I mean, no, here's our plan. And the players are like, that's your plan? No, no, no. And the players are right. But now the league, at the drop of a bleeping hat, right, one phone call. Oh, everything you want. Oh, yeah, daily. Oh, daily test. No preseason. Oh, yeah. Because, and this is what, just say, come out with this. You are going to try and screw these guys <laughs> yes. royally, financially, and they're yes. going to say no. So, like, this whole thing. It's my like- God, how <laughs> stupid do people in leagues think that players and fans are? Like, just give us the whole dinner at one time. It's hilarious. Here's what we'll give you, and we are going to financially try and screw you. It's a little bit like a divorce settlement where, all right, uh, the wife and I are worth $100 million. We are celebrities, and we are rich, right? And the marriage doesn't work out. Brad and Jen. Brad and Jen. You're Brad and Jen. Listen, honey, it's not working out. Man, it's too bad. I found a new girlfriend. Found a new girlfriend. It's great. Uh, I'll find another new girlfriend in two months. I'm team Jen on that. that. So uh, I feel really bad about this. Why don't you take the couch? You can take the couch. Yes. And, and you know what? That love seat yep. in the den, too. Yep. I really love that. But honestly, you de- you deserve to have that. Oh, but what about the what about the silverware? Yeah, that's a good point. You know what? I'll give you the silverware, too. Yep. Because I'm keeping the $100 million. That's what the NFL right. is basically doing to the players well, right you, now. Well, you would start by saying, I'm keeping everything. And then she'd be <laughs> like, no, you're not. And then you'd say, oh, you know what? You're right. Here's five things. And then to your point. But the cash is mine. Yeah. Yeah. But I, let's just, why? Why are we doing this again? Why do we have to keep going through through this? Baseball did this before, right? Like, let's just, and if you, and you know what? If you don't want to play at this point in time, don't play. But it's just so ridiculous that we're going through these machinations and jumping through hoops and seeing these leagues basically say, oh, you know what? Okay. No preseason yeah. games. That's fine. And then they're going to come back and say, "But Kirk Cousins, you're going to make twelve dollars this year." Yes. So enjoy your twelve dollars. So let's let's do this. Uh, we're, we'll get into we're gonna we're gonna go through with this episode of Mackie and Judd as if the NFL will proceed as sort of usual sometime later this week. And so we will include the Vikings here in the second half of our confidence, curiosity, concern. But let's start with the Twins here. We used to do this segment every Friday leading into Vikings games. Then we sort of applied it to various other things. It's been a while since we regularly did this segment on Mackie and Judd. But confidence, curiosity, concern. And we'll start with the Minnesota Twins for the upcoming 2020 season. They have a scrimmage against the Cubs tomorrow. And then the season starts against the White Sox in Chicago on Friday. So. We'll uh, let's start. With, we'll we'll each give an answer for confidence. Each give an answer, Declan included, for concern and then for curiosity for the Twins' 2020 season. Let's start with Judd. Confidence. Josh Donaldson's impact twofold at the plate and at third base. So here's the deal: in watching him play third, Eureka! He's good at it. The ball comes to him. He is a Hoover vacuum. He gets the ball. Look, Miguel, Miguel, Miguel had a, was a Hoover vacuum yeah, too at their base because he sucked. Exactly. Miguel, Miguel had the arm strength. No question about that. But if there was a ground ball hit to his right or left and he had to move, he might fall down and the ball might go through. Donaldson, his impact, I think, in the field, at the plate, in the clubhouse, all of those things, I'm extremely confident that, that the richest free agent, outside free agent investment that the Twins have made in their history is going to pay off. Um, I like the intensity. He's the type of guy who just gives you the veteran confidence. 
So he that's does, my yeah, top. He one. brings that baseball swagger. And I think that's something that it's impossible to quantify. But when you look at World Series teams, this is coming from an analytics guy. You guys know that I am. Yeah, I am you don't believe in the. I don't, in the ether of the whole oh, baseball. I don't believe uh, oh, that man. humans that humans run baseball. I believe that machines and spreadsheets run baseball. In the baseball gods. No, I um, like I do. You don't. I'm a baseball god atheist. I guess you sort of you are. Say. Okay, but no, e- you are. even with that, even though Fangraphs.com is basically my homepage, I believe if you look at World Series winning teams, and this this like the best example is the 2004 Red Sox, right? The the um, what do they call themselves? The Cowboy Up Crew. Yes, right. And the guys who would do shots before Game Six and Game Seven of the ALCS. Yes, there's just a certain level of inherent swagger and confidence you need to beat teams like the Yankees in the postseason and the Astros. And now that the Twins have been stockpiling these type of guys like Nelson Cruz, and I think I think Sergio Romo brings some of that. That dude's closed out World Series before, and he's like your fifth reliever. Rich so, Hill's going to bring some of that. Yep, big dick. Provided Martin. he stays healthy. And uh, and now Josh Donaldson is like the swaggiest. And, and I'm not talking about swagger. Like, Ryan Domit brought some swagger, right. but he wasn't that good. All right? <laughs> like, with Josh Donaldson, you're getting swagger and 35 home fake. runs. Correct. He's not fake. It's validated. Ryan Domit was weird and sort of fake. Yep. All right, Declan, what are you what's your confidence for the Twins? This lineup's going to hit, man. It's going to be just as good as it was last year, if not better with the addition of Josh Donaldson, and I don't think it really matters who's leading off. I don't think it matters who's rounding off the order. I think you can plug and play almost anyone anywhere you want and you get really creative with how you want to attack the opposing pitching. So, I think it's it's your lineup is still the most probably the best in baseball. I really is. I think it's them and the Dodgers. I, I think most consensus people have said that. So I, I think the lineup is absolutely going to mash. There's going to be a lot of home runs. There's a lot of patient hitters. And I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to watch a lot of offense. So I know the offense is going to be very uh, a confidence for the Twins in 2020. So I agree. I am also confident in the offense, but I'm going to give you guys a different answer. Something else that not many people really talk about. I think I don't think there's not enough household names in this particular crew for people to be like super bullish on it. But the twins bullpen, I'm very confident in mm-hmm. you might like, well, wait a second, the twins bullpen. What do you mean? Like, okay, let's start going down the list here. Okay. And let's actually start with a couple of team numbers that stand out. If you look at twins bullpens, any point before like 2016, they were almost always last or second to last or third to last through the entire Terry Ryan regime in strikeout rate. It was a pitch-to-contact bullpen. And so you had these situations largely. And I'm talking more, I guess, like Terry Ryan's second time around. For, so like Bill Smith into Terry Ryan from like 2009 through 2015, basically. You'd have guys come in in the eighth inning. If it wasn't Joe Nathan, it was usually more like pitch-to-contact guys they were hoping to induce a double play or a ground ball. In a close game in the eighth inning, right. that can like, contact leads right. to bad things. You want your relievers to miss bats. Last year, the Twins had the ninth or 10th best strikeout rate of any bullpen in baseball, and their bullpen was third in wins above replacement behind only the Yankees and the Rays. So if you just take wins above replacement and sort of just like the totality of your bullpen performance, third in baseball last year. Taylor Rogers, one of the best relievers in baseball. Tyler Duffy, one of the better strikeout relievers in baseball. They've which helped is make crazy. him. Yes. They've helped make him. I would also point to Trevor May when he's dialed in, especially as one of the more dominant strikeout relievers in baseball. Um, Clippard. Tyler Clippard and Sergio Romo have pitched yep. in huge games. Sergio Romo has closed out World Series games, and these are like your fourth and fifth guys out of the pen. And that doesn't even count some of the guys you could see, like Zach Littell could emerge. They could Tyler Duffy-ify uh, Zach Littell at some point this year. This it's is- a great bullpen. 
this is probably the most confident that we've been in the Twins bullpen since when? Because it, it's the first time it's the first time that it's been, it's been this strong in the new era of bullpens, right? Yes. Well, like Glenn- Kansas City and the Mets in, introduced that, and teams. So, so, but I'm, but I'm saying the totality. Yeah, I mean, Glenn, so I'm not just Nathan or Perkins. I'm saying, I'm saying this bullpen, a plural, has a lot of really quality pitchers. Yeah, the Glenn Perkins era bullpens, like Glenn was one of the best relievers in baseball for three or four years, but there was never really like a second and third guy behind them that you were all in on trust wise. Right. I'm sort of all in on Tyler Duffy trust wise, and Trevor May kind of bothers me once in a while where he'll just freak out and like can't throw a strike, but. Um, but I think we've seen that he can blow anybody away. And Sergio Romo has just added, that's another guy we talk about personality and swag and all of those things that you can't quantify. He brings that to this bullpen, and they just haven't had a lot of that in the last 10 years. So, so you guys say lineup, J- Josh Donaldson specifically right. for Judd. I'm saying bullpen. Let's skip to concern here. The thing that you were most concerned oh, my, about. Mine is very, very simple. Very, as simple, as predictable as it can possibly get. Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton plays 55 games. You know what? You've got a great chance. I, I think if Buxton plays thir- 35 to 40 games, I think that this is a playoff team, okay? Yep. But but if he's hurt and the playoffs come around and he can't play, in my heart of hearts, truth serum time, I don't think that this is a World Series team without him. But you put him in the outfield, making plays, saving runs consistently, and and the incredible thing with Buxton is if he hits 260, I'm fine with it. Like, if he hits 290, if I'm the Twins, I'm ecstatic. Mm-hmm. But if this guy hits 260, just gets on base because he's a problem there, uh, can be in the outfield consistently because he makes plays that the majority, and I think just about everybody else who plays baseball can't make at times, um, my concern is Buxton because we don't have any evidence yet that this guy can stay on the field for an, an entire year. And I do think that there's a good chance he's not going to play opening day on Friday because the Twins are going to be cautious with that midfoot sprain. But that concern to me, because that's what takes the Twins. Buxton takes the Twins from being, you know what, the pretty damn good to this is a World Series potential team if he can play consistently. I will agree in that I don't think they can win a World Series unless he's playing defense in center field. Like his his bat has potential to also be amazing, as we've seen at different times in his career, including the half year he played last year. He's the best number nine hitter by far in all of baseball. The guy had like an 800-plus OPS as the number nine hitter can steal bases. But I just think in terms of if, if your goal, if you get to the postseason and your goal is to prevent the Astros and the Yankees yep. and whatever you know the whatever other teams you're going to face, if you have to face the Angels and Mike Trout or something, your goal is to prevent them from scoring nine runs on you. And he is a huge part of that run prevention in center field. And the downgrade for, uh, from him to player X is how much? So so like Defensively, if it's Kepler, it's if it's Kepler now or it's, if it's Jake Cave. I mean, yeah. that is a significant step down. It's uh, over the course of a full season. It could literally be like a 20 to 30 run difference, which wow. is pretty huge. I mean, think about if you know, just translate that to a lineup. If you're talking about, well, we're going to replace this guy who drives in 90 runs with this guy who might drive in 60. You're like, oh, my God. Right. You go from a cleanup hitter to a number eight hitter. So, Declan, what's your concern for the Twins? It's actually the bullpen. I think the Twins bullpen, although it was pretty effective last season, I think there's also some regression that could be coming towards towards it as well. Even last year, as a no team, no faith in Tyler Duffy. 
I need to see it again, man. I saw it for four I months. I think they found something. And I think he's a, a better reliever today than he was going into last season, for sure. I just need to see it over the course of a season. And even if you're looking at BAPIP, batting average on balls in play last year, the Twins' bullpen actually was the second worst in BAPIP. And I, I think they put a lot of balls in play, and they they need they need a couple more legitimate top relievers. If you're looking at the top 50 relievers in terms of war last year in baseball, the Twins had two. Obviously, Taylor Rogers was very good. He was the fifth best reliever in terms of war at 2.1, and our guy Tyler Duffy at 31. So I, I think there's a good amount of depth in that bullpen. But for me, I need to see them, honestly, if, if you were going to swing a trade in this crazy scenario, go out and get someone like Josh Hader, get someone like even Kirby Yates, get someone who can absolutely flamethrow to complement Taylor Rogers even more. And then I feel a lot more better about that bullpen. So this is where this is where Dr. Phil gets to come in and talk yes. about Babbitt because the fact that Declan brought up Babbitt makes me oh, yeah. makes my heart happy. A little giddy. Chicks dig Babbitt. <laughs> so Babbitt is batting average on balls in play. And batting average on balls in play essentially is everything that isn't a strikeout, a walk, or a home run. It's anything that was hit or a foul ball. Anything that was hit in the field of play is considered in batting average on balls in play. And where batting average on balls in play first came into the mix uh, publicly was like 15 or 20 years ago as part of uh, the the early wave of baseball analytics and researchers. And the main, I guess the main crux of batting average on balls in play is if you as a pitcher or a pitching staff are allowing a very low batting average on balls in play. It either means that your stuff is really hard to square up or it means that you're lucky. And so in the case of like, so you can apply this to batters too. Siyoshi Nishioka in Japan had nearly a 400 batting average on balls in play. Even the fastest, most line drive hitting players in Major League Baseball very rarely get to a 400 batting average on balls in play. To get that high, it involves a lot of seeing-eye singles going through for base hits, which, congratulations, like, you definitely get credit for that, but how repeatable is it? So the Twins last year as a bullpen, Declan's right, they had the second highest batting average on balls in play allowed behind only the Royals, which means one of two things. It either means the Twins relievers, when hitters did make contact, were hitting line drives and squaring everything up, which is something they need to fix. Or it means they were a little bit unlucky in that they had a lot of seeing-eye singles and bleeders go through or little bloops fall in. And um, we could do the research on that, but I don't have the right materials pulled up. But it's something to monitor in that when hitters made contact against Twins relievers, they either hit the ball hard enough to have the second-highest batting average on balls in play, 317, or opposing hitters got lucky. And I guess we'll find out this season. Find out. Tyler, Tyler Duffy, by the way... <laughs> He doubled his strikeout rate from 2018. So 2018, he had a 7.20 ERA, and he struck out six batters per nine. 2019, 2.50 ERA and 13 strikeouts per nine. He was just a totally different they pitcher found in 2019. There. I just need to see it. I agree. I think they found something, but hey, we'll we'll see. West Johnson, man. The thing that I am the most concerned about is actually starting pitcher health in 2020. You've got Jake Odorizzi, who's already feeling like a back twinge or something, mm-hmm. and had an issue last year going into the playoffs, too. And Rich Hill is 40 years old and always is hurt. He is so, brittle. So that's something. Like The hope here is that in a sprint season in which he's had a full year to recover from Big elbow Mike's surgery, coming back, Phil. But Big Mike has had major By injury the way, problems. Big Mike, bigger than Big Mike. 
Good. I saw him I'm pitch. fine with he, that. He came out and pitched on on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Big Mike is actually bigger than Big Mike was. Whatever makes him comfortable. You know what? I'm fine with that. Right guard. <laughs> they might Starting right guard. <laughs> no, might. my God, he could block. <laughs> Dalvin would have enormous holes <laughs> opened up for him if Michael Pineda was blocking a right guard. Kenta Maeda also is a guy who is, uh, I don't think he's ever seen the light of day over the 150th inning in a season. So the, the good news for the yeah. Twins is they don't really have to worry about like durability over six months with these pitchers. They just need these dudes to stay mostly healthy for two months. <laughs> Can you get so, 60 games, Phil? Just please just give Can us two months. Can you get 60 games? Two or months. Uh, and I would say that Jose Barrios is probably due for like Tommy John surgery at some point. Please I'm just going to throw that out in the ether. Gosh. Just going to throw that out Opening there. Opening day's on Friday, man. Not even I'm doing that. Curiosity. What's the thing that you are most curious oh. about? Judd Zolgad, twins. All right. Mine is is not a player. It's the manager, Rocco Baldelli. Year two, and year two is always different from the first year. I get that. But think about the variables now. 60-game season. Thought processes absolutely have to change. I mean, this is Mr. R&R, right? Rest, relaxation, laid back, did a great job. Very, very smart guy. But there's going to have, have to be some fundamental alterations in how he approaches this now as far as as management of games, as far as, well, I ordinarily would rest uh, Cruz or Donaldson today, but it's a 60-game season, so I probably can't. Yeah. Um, you lose five consecutive games in, in the 162 season. It's like, okay, I lost five games. That stinks. But you lose five consecutive games in a 60-game campaign. So I'm, my curiosity rests with the alterations that Rocco is going to have to make, um, some of which probably are going to run very, very counter to what Rocco Baldelli would ordinarily do. Yeah, that's fair. That's a huge one for him. That's fair. And it, and it applies to all managers. You have to go, I mean, you really have to yes. treat this like we've already played four months and now we are tied for the division lead going into the last two months of the season. How would you manage it? Going into that scenario. And what do you do? And you'd throttle down a little bit more. You have yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure they have all these conversations, too. Like, the Twins front office is constantly thinking about this stuff. Uh, Declan, what are you most curious about? I'm curious to see if Mitch Garver can do this again and do this over a course of maybe even more games played. I think Alex Avila is a very good backup catcher, and I don't think Garver is someone who's going to go out there and catch 130 games by any means. You know, like, I, I think it'll be, a, honestly, a pretty standard split to what, what it was when Jason Castro was here. But this dude, Mitch Garver, was basically Mike Piazza last year and hit like 28 bombs in 100 games yeah. and was the best offensive hitting catcher in the game and shored up his defensive ability. I don't think he was Buster Posey or a gold glove candidate by any means, but he was really, he struggled a ton defensively even going into 2019. And last year he turned into, I would probably say without the numbers in front of me, an average defensive catcher. So can he replicate that again? Can he be solid defensively enough and also still bring enough pop off the bench or behind the plate because a catcher like that, you just don't see that. So I want to see if he can do it again. Move him. The first? I'm kidding. No. No, you're not. No, 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 no. You can't move him. Where where to? No, he should be the catcher. Right. But I'm just saying if he continues, if he has another good year at the plate and then another good year, now I'm getting tempted. Well, but if he's, uh, to me it would be, I don't want to wear him out. I I don't want to. Shorten his career unnecessarily. Well, but he's already but like right tw- he's already like twenty nine. Yeah, he's older. Yeah, he's. That's 29. what I'm saying. Get him out. That's my exact point. But I don't think he's. Had, right he now. hasn't had the wear and tear. I mean, he's caught in the minor leagues. He hasn't. Okay, like, here we go. Joe Maurer came up when he was twenty one. Yep. 
and caught throughout his entire 20s. He has to catch for now. I get that. I was just sort of joking okay. around that it might be a good idea Very to Zolgan explore left field. Though. Well, Rosario's gone in, in, what, a year or so. I mean, yeah. so that's going to be... I will say this, though. The one thing in in going to a bunch of these scrimmages, these camps, my God, do they have some young talent. Larnick. Kirilov, well, you, Chalmers. You segued perfectly into the thing that I'm <laughs> oh, most curious they, they about. Got, they got some coming, man. Actually, before I get into the thing that I'm most curious about, I do have a nickname for Mitch Garver that requires him to remain at catcher. Okay. The Sultan of Squat. Okay. Come on. <laughs> did you, Babe Ruth did you come the, up with that yourself? I did. I that's did. actually not, that's not bad. Babe Ruth is it's the awful, Sultan, but it's not, but the Babe Ruth Sultan is the of Sultan squat. of Squat. <laughs> Mitch Garver, the catcher, is the Sultan of Squat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Come on. Declan's. I dig it. Declan's t-shirts. Okay. You know what? I dig it. Get those t-shirts out before it's too late. Get promotions on the phone. Salt in the squad. I think they got let go on May 1st. <laughs> well, we could, hey, we, we, we could check. <laughs> okay. Check. I'm getting beers with Ross next week, but. Uh, tell Ross. Tell Ross to do it himself. <laughs> I will. Um, I'll take one. The thing that I'm the Double most XL. curious about is the Twins prospects because they're going to play. Guys, yes. guys are going to get sidelined. There's not a bubble in baseball like there is in the NBA. The NBA's goal and the MLS goal now is keep COVID out of the bubble. Don't forget my guys in hockey, too, Phil. Hockey, they've got a bubble. they got the bubble. Baseball does not have a bubble. Guys nope. are going to get COVID, and, and, and prospects are going to have to step in probably before they're ready and play major league games. Yeah. So which, which of these Twins prospects is going to get a shot from Royce Lewis to Trevor Lawrence? I think the ones that are the closest are like Kirloff, Larnick, and Rooker. Those guys can play outfield in first base. Kirloff, I think, is set right now. Yeah. Like, he looks it. He he looks the part. Um, Chalmers curveball, by the way, big league curveball it right is. now. It plays It plays instantly. He, but I don't think he's ever pitched above A ball. No, I know, but, but I mean that curveball is fun to watch. Yeah, That's a he, true curveball. He had uh, he had Nelson Cruz flinching. Yes. He had Josh Donaldson sort of yes, flinching and tipping did. his cap. So, um, all right. Those are the confidence, curiosity, concerns for the Twins. We're going to get to the same three questions for the Vikings headed into training camp, which is supposed to start this week. We're also going to get into old tweets exposed and a wrap with Royce. But a quick shout out and thank you to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Uh, Federated is not only a partner here of us at Score North, Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily, but also Minnesota United, which you can find those games on AM 1500 uh, every single match. So uh, if you own a business in the spirit of the Minnesota United partnership, you shouldn't feel like if you're a business owner, you're getting a yellow card every time you file an insurance claim. Your starting 11 should include an insurance team that's ready with a plan to get you back in the game when bad things happen or back in the match, I should say. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here to help shield business owners against everyday challenges and block risks that could land your business at the bottom of the table. At Federated it's our business to protect yours. All right, gentlemen, same exercise. Confidence, curiosity, concern headed into, knock on wood, the Minnesota Vikings' first week of training camp. And they're trying to figure this out while they try to figure out the CBA and everything else. But let's assume that the Vikings do start training camp this week. All right. What are you most confident in when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings headed into training camp? This is kind of for the season, but like interpret it however you want. Mine is simple. Safety. Smith, Harris. Oh, I thought you meant like. A combined, a combined. No, 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 no. I'm not confident Eric, in safety. Eric Sugarman Sugarman's has done a trying, great job. He's trying his hardest, but I can't, I can't be confident. No one's catching COVID during in that cafeteria. A, 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 um, during this COVID 
19 times. But yes, if you are paying your com- combined, you're paying your starting safeties $19.8 million, I'm confident that, that Harris and Smith are going to be reliable. I hope for the Vikings' sake, outstanding. Uh, but yeah, that's the one position at which I look at both the starters and I say that is a lot to make, but they're both damn good. Yeah. So it's my confidence is the starting safeties. Dex. Yeah, I, I think for me, I like the offense still a lot. I know I know Gary Kubiak's basically taking it over for Kevin Stefanski, but it was a lot of things Kubiak was already doing in place. So I, I think the offense is honestly going to be just fine even losing Stefan Diggs. I think it might lack a little bit of big playability that Stefan Diggs obviously brought to the field every day. But I, I really look at the offense and I, I don't I'm not gonna be too concerned with how it goes in week in, week out, unless it's just an absolute disaster to start the year. But I, I think Dalvin Cook's still in place, Kirk Cousins is still playing well. Um, so I, I actually have a lot of confidence with the offense, which is something we haven't said really about the Vikings in, in a couple, in a couple of years. All right. This is going to sound crazy to you guys, especially Judd, but the thing I'm most confident in is Kirk Cousins. Kirk cut. And now let me specify, let me specify. Okay. Kirk Cousins for the duration of a 16 game season. Yes. I'm not saying in the fourth quarter of a road playoff game at San Francisco. How do you feel on that one? I'm saying if we're looking ahead toward the next five months of Vikings football Mm -hmm. and all the different areas that you can either be concerned about or focus your attention on or lose sleep over, the last couple years, Kirk Cousins as Vikings quarterback, 70% completions. He throws for 260 yards a game. He had uh, one of the best passer ratings and PFF ratings in all of the NFL last year. And he has thrown, in two years as Vikings quarterback, he has thrown 56 touchdown passes to just 16 interceptions. Like, he's a really good quarterback. Now, he melts down on the road yeah, sometimes Just wait Chicago. till week five when, when so, you are calling for, for his benching. I, but I think I can, ha- I can have two opinions here. Mannion to play. I can say, like, we know that he has a ceiling and that his ceiling is not the same ceiling as Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, etc., but we know that the Vikings aren't going to have a train wreck at quarterback. And so I am I am very confident that they will get competent to very good quarterback play over the duration of a season. And a lot of other teams would gladly take that type of, I guess, peace of mind at that position that the Vikings have. Okay. So, all right. I don't mistake this for. Let's play that back. He's playing After a road game five, at Lambeau. S- save this, Declan. Uh, no problem. All right. So let's go back to Judd here. What are you most concerned about for the Vikings in 2020? So this is beyond the team's control, but there is no question in my mind that the concern is this. Preparation time. You have 15 draft picks, gentlemen. You have 15 picks. You've got cornerback competitions, I guess, that that are unclear. You now have had, because of the pandemic, no OTAs. You are now probably going to have no exhibition games. And if you look at what the league is proposing as the rollout of training camp, it's not exactly preparation, preparation. Um, this is no team's fault, and every team is going to be battling this. But the Vikings have a lot of new guys and competitions at guard and competitions that aren't really going to take place like they should. And we're going to get eventually, at some point in time, to week one, and it's going to be like, okay, let's go. So so this is not a Spielman fault. It's not a Zim fault. It's no team's fault. But if you look at at the potential of very, very, very small time for ordinary training camp competitions to unfold. That's a definite concern. If you have lots of guys back, it's probably not as big of concern. But, you know, Zim's first year here, right, Phil? 
training camp. He was in Xavier Rhodes' back pocket in Mankato every day. And he turned Rhodes from being, I think, a decent player into a Pro Bowl damn good player. That's not possible now. Yeah. And so so my concern is we get to week one and it's like, oh, yeah, they didn't have time to play football, did they? Yeah. Or learn. Dex, what are you most concerned about? Yeah, a little bit with Judd with just kind of the rookies getting acclimated enough and quick enough to to help out this team. Because the Vikings on paper had, I think, a really good draft. They drafted 15 players. They drafted people that honestly were going to make impacts right away, assuming that there wouldn't be a stoppage or, a, or an awkward training camp or no preseason. And now all of a sudden, I mean, can Justin Jefferson get up to speed and be a number two wide receiver? Uh, is Jeff Gladney going to be able to step in and be an, uh, a starting quarterback, right, cornerback right away? So my concerns is how much of that rookie class who we were very bullish on after the draft, now all of a sudden, how is that going to be able, how are they going to be able to get into the fold and, and make an impact right away on week one or into the season? I, mean, I, have, I have concerns about it now. So I agree with you guys in terms of like just getting rookies acclimated when you have this many young players coming in and this little time to actually work with them. That's a problem. I think te- teams that have the majority of their starters and rosters intact from last year are just going to be at a, a great advantage in the month of September, maybe for the full season. So I'm going to I'm going to go to this answer and say my biggest concern is actually the rest of the NFC. Cuz you can make a great if if the goal is win your division or get into the playoffs and see what happens. There are no guarantees for the Vikings. You know, we all think that Green Bay is going to regress, but Green Bay went 13 and 3 and and they have Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback and they've got some weapons. Uh they did I think make a huge mistake not drafting a weapon or something to help the current team in the first round. So I guess that's a saving grace and Chicago their quarterback situation is very much in flux, but that defense is good enough to at least have gotten them to 8-8 eight eight last. So there's no guarantees in your division. Then you go to the other division. It's like Philadelphia is a, is a playoff contender. Dallas should take a big step forward. Uh, NFC West, my God, San Francisco could win the Super Bowl. Seattle can always be in the mix to, to make noise in the playoffs. Uh, the Rams were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Arizona, we think, Judd and I both agree, Arizona might be the team to watch to go you know, 9-7 and seven and sneak in. Tom Brady is in the NFC South with Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and whatever Teddy Bridgewater can do with Carolina. Like, there's only two or three teams in the entire conference where you would look at and say, yeah, probably not much of a chance to make the playoffs. The Giants, probably not much of a chance. Washington. Washington, Washington, yes. And maybe Detroit. Like, those might be the only three teams you would say, yeah, probably not going to put money on those teams to make the playoffs. So, like, just how good you have to be in the NFC to get to the playoffs is a problem for the Vikings. So... That's it. That's confidence, curiosity, curiosity, concern, curiosity. We're not done yet. Yeah, we oh, I'm sorry. Curiosity. What did I, I, curiosity. I skipped curiosity. See? I'm sorry. Confidence, cu- concern, curiosity. Sorry. Okay, curiosity. Go ahead, Judd. I, I've got a bunch of them. Premature but, segment evacuation. There. Yes, my it bad. was. I've got a bunch of these, but my main one is this: um, when the players are supposed to report, assuming that that goes through a week from today, which is going to be two, uh, next Tuesday, July 28th, uh, is Dalvin Cook going to show up? And what's Dalvin Cook's state of mind going to be? And if Dalvin Cook doesn't show up, is he going to then just forfeit his his year of um, his accrued year and then be an unrestricted or a restricted free agent after 2020? There's a lot of variables here. He looks like he's in great shape, so I don't question that. But I do question the mental mindset. I do question. It's weird because I can see this both ways, too. I I am not in, in the camp that the Vikings should just pay him. I really don't think that they should. That being said, I think that if they want to have as much success as possible, if we do play the uh, 2020 season in full, you guys, that Dalvin Cook is incredibly important to this team. 
So that's it's not a concern. It's far more of a curiosity of is this going to unfold with a contract extension at some point early in training camp? Is this going to unfold with him showing up and being disgruntled but still playing through the last year of his uh, contract? We don't know. Definite curiosity, though, is Dalvin Cook for me. Mine is is just how Zimmer schemes this defense because I don't think this defense is going to be a train wreck even with with cornerback being up in the air right now. I think Mike Zimmer is obviously one of the best defensive coaches in the league. Now, are they going to be top five in what we saw in 2017 or even last year? I don't think so. But do I think they can still be an above-average defense that can cause some quarterbacks some hell and, and, and get after the QB a lot? Yes, I still do. So how Zim schemes that defense is one I'm very curious about. But I, I have a lot of confidence that he's going to be able to do it. I'm just curious how he does it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It will. I wouldn't put it as his biggest challenge as Vikings defensive minded head coach, because I think the first year he took over the worst events in the league was probably like, Oh my God moment for him. <laughs> Expectations were low then though. Yep. They're not right. low now. Right. Yep. So he's got to kind of work similar magic. Oh, they, I mean, they didn't have a Daniel Hunter. Like they, he's got more tools. But are these the corners going to be with. able to do this? Well, he, it's up to him like to make it happen. No real practices. Yeah, that's my question. It's going to be tough. They're, the Vikings defense could very well be a train wreck in the first five or six weeks. Like they might have to hold on for dear life. So my biggest curiosity. This is me straddling the fence because my biggest curiosity is Kirk Cousins in big games. Okay? <laughs> here we go. You're so, setting him up to fail. I love it. No, but here it is. So, so Kirk Cousins over the duration of a 16 game season is going to give you. Very, very good production. Yep. He's going to be a fringe top 10 quarterback. And when you drill down and you get into the, the micro and you start to really do the autopsy on his season, the moments that leave you wanting more are like at Chicago in primetime. At Green Bay. Fourth quarter at Lambeau Field. That was a perfect one, yes. So on the schedule this year, I mean, all the usual suspects, the at Lambeau, at Soldier Field, at Seattle in primetime in week five, national TV, like, I'm watching very closely. The I would say the road game against Tom Brady, even though it's a noon game, at Tampa Bay, week 14, playoffs on the line. You've got at New Orleans on a Friday night, on Christmas, short week. Like those big matchups in big moments, he doesn't need to go undefeated in them. But can he go like, if we're going to highlight six of those games, can he go three and three and perform well in four or five of them? That's That's the big question for him. And that's the yeah. next level. If there's a next level for Kirk, it's drilling down into those key games and just doing a better job. In the playoffs last year, he stepped up big in the second half against the Saints, and then he wasn't able to overcome a battle offensive line and just a general uh, defensive uh, overwhelming performance by the Niners. So, like, I need to see more of what we saw in that Saints game in these big moments. And, and you know what? If the Vikings are going to make the playoffs, he might have to play that way in some of these big games. They might need to go 11-5 and five to make the playoffs, in which case you probably have to play well. No digs, too. No, no digs. digs. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be good sometimes. Yep. So, all right, that is confidence, curiosity. Thank you. Concern. Thank you so for I getting did, through I the, mean thank you for getting through the entire segment. Sorry. Sorry. So, uh, the three C's, Phil. The three C's, okay. Three C's. Three Maybe C's. that's the name of the segment. Three C's? The three C's. Because we let's you, just you stop the two C's. rebrand it. Two C's, no, three C's. It's the three C's, yep. We should let's make that. We'll make that a weekly thing. That's that's a new weekly. In life, in life, this weekend, confidence, curiosity, concern. Uh, I'm curious how drunk I will be. I'm confident I will be drunk, and I'm concerned I'll be too drunk. I'm curious to see if Declan drinks any new seltzers this weekend. I might. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) 
right, but it, it's time to pay the piper here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can we just get right into it? <laughs> yeah. Choked up, Phil. All right. Old Tweets Exposed is exactly what you think it is. Declan goes into the archives. Judd and I have both been tweeting since 2009. And so there is over a decade of things and tens of thousands of tweets to be sifted through and a lot of bad takes and weird opinions. Oof. So, uh, Declan, what do you got for us this week in Old Tweets Exposed? Well, both Mackie and Judd got some, have some, uh, some basketball takes here that need to be. This is never a good oh, Judd man. idea, by the way. Oh, he should not God. be doing basketball takes. Oh, no. We go back oh to October twenty oh first, two thousand thirteen, and, uh, and there must have been some kerfuffle with some Wolves fans because Phil Mackey weighs in and goes, "What you guys are being ridiculous? Wiggins might be the next LBJ. That's LeBron James, but rooting for <laughs> Wolves to lose for what? A twenty five percent chance in the lottery? So I'm trying to get the timeline here. This is before they." This is before they traded for Wiggins. Yes, yeah, it's 2013 14. So this, this is when, early in the season. All right, so this is, I'm trying to think. I think this is when they had the nucleus of Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love, yeah. and Nikola Pekovic. This was the 40 and 42 Wolves. Okay. So, yeah. yeah so they so were a the, 500 team. They were ready to rock and roll a little bit. Ricky Rubio winds up tearing his he ACL. Got hurt, right? Yeah, against Lakers. Yeah. And it seems like, just reading the, the tweet here, it seems like people were rooting for the Wolves to tank still, even yeah, though that, they had Kevin Love and Rubio. That would have been me, probably. Rooting for the Wolves. I was probably listening. What was this sent? 519. So. Um, I was probably listening to an episode of like Judd and Dubay or something. <laughs> Judd and Fun, Judd and somebody who's no longer here. Yes, go ahead. So I am saying Wiggins might yep. be the next LeBron James, but rooting for the Wolves to lose so that they can get Wiggins. You know what? They dodged the bullet there, but then they, of course, fired the bullet into their right. own head by trading I for fe- I feel like the 2020 Phil Mackey would not tweet this. Which part? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, the 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 part the about anti-tanking part. Yes, the anti-tanking part. I feel was much more in the DNA of the 2013 Phil than it would be the 2020 Phil Mackey. Yeah, I've come more to Judd's side of the fence, which is hashtag always tank side of the fence. Especially if you're the Wolves. When in doubt, you should be tanking. Gerson knows also, that. Putting Wiggins and LeBron James in the same sentence. That there. was oh yeah. My well, God. you're probably drinking. Well, don't worry. I mean, Judd has almost a great basketball take here too. This is from uh, yeah! June twenty second, twenty seventeen. I still believe. Yeah, this was probably the day uh, Jimmy was acquired. It was. I was knee deep in Mexico somewhere. Uh, Tom Thibodeau doesn't often make trades, but when he does, he doesn't screw. You around. know what? Honestly, this this tweet is correct. Yeah, I was going to say there's it's not correct. I'm not really exposed because I I did not say the key thing, which is I also love that trade. Yeah. See, Judd always protects himself. Judd Judd's very good at sort of not putting himself out there for terrible takes because he's kind of hedging. Like this tweet is a hedge. Mm-hmm. Tom doesn't make trades, but man, you really hit a home run with this one. It's just sort of a fact, like, though, right? Like he doesn't screw around, which is true. He didn't. Now, if I had said, you know, Jimmy Butler's going to really add to the chemistry of this team, now we can make fun of him. <laughs> Which, by the way, I thought. All right. Self-reporting here, Declan Goff. I'm excited to see this one. I love young Declan's tweets. Oh, so, young Declan so innocent. Professing his love for Josh Freeman yeah. as Vikings it's quarterback. Ponder? We have a quarterback take. Is it Ponder? Oh, man. Ponder is involved. Next Johnny Unitas? Oh, no. Ponder is involved. Oh, okay. no. This is going to be... Okay, March 14th, 2013, (laughs) Matt Castle is going to force me to love Christian Ponder. This is kind of a problem. Wow, what a love triangle this is. Oh, Ah, Declan. 
Amazing. Wow. So this is March March 14th. So you this is free agency. Yep. So you were tweeting. So the Vikings must have signed Matt Castle. Yeah. And you were not happy about the Matt Castle signing? Pro- initially, I probably was not on board with it. No. Okay. That sounds accurate. This would be sophomore year of college for me. So I'm was, sort of surprised, Declan. I, I, I would think that, that your history of tweeting would have been in favor of the signing. Yeah, I would have thought. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm I would have thought that you thought Matt Castle bringing the Patriots DNA yeah. to the well, Vikings. That's when he went to the Chiefs, and he he really didn't play too well with the Chiefs. All so right. I think I threw it out there because I think th- I wasn't on Twitter yet. But when Castle had his magical run in what was it oh nine or or ten when oh eight oh eight was it oh eight yeah I was even on. It was like if this Brett Favre thing's not going to happen, go get go get Matt Castle because he's not going to play in New England as the backup to Brady in oh nine. So I, I at first I was on board. Then I jumped off, and then I'm sure there's other tweets probably six to eight months later after this one that are on board with Matt Castle. So, mm. just a flip-flopper. Go Huskies. I mean, it's not terrible, Dex. No. Mm. It's funny, but it's not awful. It's, cer- it's certainly not your most egregious old tweet exposed. I had forgot just how long Matt Castle was the starting quarterback for this. So, Matt Castle, I, two things about Matt Castle. Number one, he started 47 games for the Kansas City Chiefs. Between 2009 and 2012, and was he was pretty good for one year, but it was mostly a disaster. But right. the second thing I remember about Matt Castle was 2013 Vikings training camp. Now remember, we had been coming out of 2010 disaster Brett Favre, 2011 disaster Donovan McNabb, Christian Ponder, 12 Ponder disaster Joe Webb. Like it was three years of just terrible quarterback play. And I remember watching Matt Castle at training camp in 2013 just thinking, you know what? He actually just carries himself as a professional quarterback. The way he holds a football in individual team practice. He came on our show. He looks like a professional quarterback. And was a great guy, too. Personable. Totally got it. He had the quarterback presence to him. True professional here. Yes. And he was. He was fine. Like, he was was a viable sort of fringe starter backup quarterback. What did the Patriots get for him? Do, Do you have that in front of you? Uh, from the, the Chiefs in that pro football reference show that, that yeah, trade? Would. I think it shows it towards the bottom of the, the page. That there's oh, a here we go. It's a trade. Okay. Yeah, they two thousand so he was it only it only goes back to two thousand eleven. They don't have anything beyond that. Okay. Unfortunately. Oh here no, here it is. Trades. Okay. Yep. Two he was traded. Wow. He was traded with Mike Vrabel yep. for a second round pick, which wound up being Patrick Chung. Okay. So it was the thirty fourth yeah. overall pick. So they traded Patriots, man. Basically, their backup quarterback and Mike Vrabel for a second-round pick. And Patrick Chung was a pretty good player, too. Mm-hmm. That was bad. Not too bad. When the Patriots call, hang up. The Vikings, can you guys remember what the Vikings gave up for? Wait, wait, wait. Traded by the, okay, traded by the Vikings. Do you remember what that trade was? Buffalo, right? Yep. It's like a draft pick. It was like a fifth-round pick or something. They traded. It was like a ham sandwich, to be honest. The Vikings traded Castle and a sixth-round pick. For the Bills' fifth-round pick in 16 and seventh-round pick the next year. And the players wound up being Grady Jarrett and Alex McAllister. So nothing nothing happened. And a ham sandwich. And, and a ham sandwich. sandwich. Yep. So uh, other than that, though. Matt Castle, great guy. Awesome. Old tweets exposed, baby. Yeah. No Love one's it. safe. Always, no, they're not, and they shouldn't be. No. All right, let's wrap with Royce here. Woo! All right.
right, it's it's a rare in person rap with Royce appearance here on Mackie and Judd. What's going on, Pat? Well, I had to delay my Monday stuff to attend yesterday's final inner squad contest. I know Judd's been a regular at these. They aren't bad. You get to see good versus good. Yeah. It's better than a spring training game. Yes. <laughs> you know, before March 15th, you get to see, uh, plus you're getting guys that you care about facing <laughs> guys that you care about. It's uh, pretty good, and they're trying to get each other out. It was kind of fun. Actually, we should put Pat through the same exercise we started the show with, which is confidence, curiosity, concern for the Twins going into the season. What is, what's the thing that you are the most confident about with the Twins, Pat? Oh, what? Uh, The bullpen. The bullpen is the thing thing I'm most confident in. Uh, (laughs) I mean, they got these guys that, okay, you got the big three at the back, right? Rogers, May, and, uh, and Duffy. But then the next group, you got Romo throwing that slop up there, and Clifford is supposed to be okay. And I like Littell a lot because he just grunts and throws hard. And uh, <laughs> But then you got a guy like Cody Stashek, who wasn't even a prospect. And, and every time he pitches, he gets everybody out, <laughs> you know, somehow. And I was watching him yesterday, and they were showing some old video of him. And he's uh, really good at getting the ball, like, up around the chest inside where nobody – doesn't make any difference how good you are. If you throw it there, nobody's going to hit it. So uh, they, they got him. Uh, they could use another lefty. Uh, who's going to be the second lefty? Uh, Lewis Thorpe doesn't do anything for me as a reliever. I, I think they need another lefty. But I like the pen better than anything else. I'd like the lineup better than anything else. If these guys had been swinging the bats for uh, a month instead of uh, two and a half weeks, you know. It's starting to come, though. The timing start is starting. It's going to take time, but it's starting to come. Now, unless they're, I will say, unless they're using last year's balls. Which they might might be, by the way. Or they were. Uh, But the baseballs, uh, yesterday, Eddie hit a little pop fly and it ended up in the garden out in right field. And Avila hit a ball to left center. The the Joe Maurer Death Valley of his first few years there, you know, when he'd hit one, which was a home run in the Metrodome, and it had died 10 feet in front of the fence, yep. went out by 15 feet. You know, went out by 10 feet. I didn't think he even got it, and it, it went out easy. So I think we got the atom ball at least at least in uh, in uh, in in these inter-squad games. They might be left over from last year, but I, I think we still have the uh, – the atom ball. And I think baseball will really be stupid to downgrade the ball this year when the pitchers are going to have such an advantage, wouldn't you? I yes. Mean, they're going to have 16 pitchers on some teams. I know you can, you got to face three hitters, which is a wonderful rule. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, if a starter gets two on in the fourth, uh, if he if he has – if he gets nine straight out and gets two guys out with nobody out in the fourth, he's coming out. There's going to be an absolute parade. These games are going to take forever because of the pitching. You know changes. what? I don't care at this point. Give no, me sports. I don't, either. I don't give a damn now. Play as long as you want these days. <laughs> yes, but uh, had they been playing a month ago, yeah, they would have had world record ratings on FSN. Yeah. Now they're going to be up against, well, we can't watch this game because the Wild have a qualified game. And, uh, you know, it, it, there's going to be more competition than ever. And imagine so. on, like, October 10th when yes. it's, it's – uh, we're, we're right in the middle of Twins playoff run or whatever, yeah. and you've got LeBron James versus Giannis in game six of the finals. 
You've got NFL Week Four or whatever it is. Boys, my marriage what? might be on life support. <laughs> my marriage might be in real jeopardy. Join the club. Oh boy. <laughs> well, absence, let's find a place. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's is the most accurate term yes. ever used Amen. to describe a marriage. Amen. Uh, what's okay? What, what's the thing you're the most concerned about or curious about? Those are the other two categories. Uh, I uh, I don't like the fact that you don't have any. You got one power pitcher in your starting rotation. I I, I Rich I, Hill. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, Rich Hill. Rich Hill strikes out. Yeah, he does. Full batters big, per nine with that big loop and curveball. So yeah, that I guess that'd be. A, you know, he's probably your second best starter. I don't like Maeda yet. I didn't like him in spring training, and he didn't see him long enough. But he'd go after somebody. Yeah, he's a nibbling right-hander with good stuff, but. Uh, uh, I know that Phil Miller told me he talked to Rick Honeycutt for a half hour about him and, you know, when the Dodgers pitching coach and Honeycutt said the whole problem was getting him to challenge hitters. And uh, they finally got him when he went to the bullpen. Yeah. He actually went after hitters, but uh, he wants to be a starter and they need him to be a starter. So, but so he looked terrible yesterday. I mean, he never went after anybody. Hit Donaldson too. Jamnier's probably yeah. scared Rocco and the boys to death. <laughs> yes, yes. What happens at third base? My God. Reminds me of my favorite moment in spring training, even though I wasn't there. But they had a young right-handed kid named Steve Barber. Not the left-handed Steve Barber from Baltimore, but the right-handed kid who threw hard. And he's going to impress everyone in live BP, and he hits Harmon right in the head. Oh. <laughs> he was gone in like 20 minutes. <laughs> See you later, kid. <laughs> Left Harmon laying in the dust at home plate, and they all went nuts. Yeah, don't be hitting, guys. But uh, I'll say one thing. Uh, these inner squads uh, from, you know, and Judd, you saw them all. But from yesterday, they were trying. Everybody was trying. It was, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, the pitchers. They told trying, you something. The pitchers are trying to get outs, and the hitters, you know, McDonaldson struck out against Maeda and uh, the one of the times on a breaking ball, and he was mad. And, uh and it was Eddie, though. It was pure Eddie. Uh, he strikes out. Uh, did I think Eddie was hitting after Donaldson? I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But he, he saw Maeda strike out Donaldson on a breaking ball. And Maeda threw one that was about to bounce on the plate, and Eddie hit a home run to right field. So uh, <laughs> did you guys see the, by the way, see the uh, transcript of Eddie's Zoom interview? No. It was great because he was saying, you know, the new hitting coach, uh, Valera, is, uh, you know, they're, they're really talking to me about being more selective, you know, and, and then getting more walks and uh, up, up, you know, getting my on-base percentage up. But I'm going to do what I do. <laughs> and so he told us how he was invested in this new system. But then he said, ah, I'm going to do what I do. I'm oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. He ain't being patient. Don't I don't know. I, I, yeah, no way. He's, I don't know. Like, what's the value? Like, would, would it be nice if he drew 10 more walks and, you know, mm-hmm. gave you a chance and replaced a couple strikeouts? He's Eddie, man. But he's, well, okay. like, you pay him to, to be Eddie in the ninth inning of five games every summer. Like, that's why you pay him. <laughs> okay. Uh, in the Zoom era, yeah. uh, Phil, I got to ask you this question. I have to do an Eddie takeout for, you know, a longer story for Thursday. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, all you get is zoomies and, you know, kind of routine interviews. Zoomies sounds like a Zoom, recreational yeah, drug zoom, from zoom, the zoom, 70s. Yeah. Or, or an award show. <laughs> With yeah. the zoomies. As a guy who was around the twins a lot uh, and uh, talking to me, where would you go for the cheap interview on the young Eddie? The cheap interview on the young Eddie? Yes. You mean like who could talk about who, who, young who Eddie Rosario? You, who would give you... 15 minutes of quotes without a comma on the young Eddie. Like we're talking like 2012 Eddie. Yeah, no, yeah, 2000, or, or even coming up in the minors, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, 2013, 14, 15 You know, Eddie. I wouldn't have said this person, but now that this person has become a media star, Trevor Plouffe would be able to give you 15 minutes on young well, Eddie. Well, he would, but Doug McCabbage is even better. <laughs> okay, oh, I got you. I got oh, you. Oh, you got yeah. him already. So, Loaded question. Okay, I have nothing. I'm going to pull the cheapest trick in the world. I'm going to call Dougie. <laughs> Put a quarter in him. And, and Dougie was... I twice or third, I had to say, hey, 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 hey. And you take notes. Oh, yeah, I I was typing. I was typing. Still, that's not easy to do. Is he he with Detroit? Nobody. What uh, happened in Detroit? Or Toledo? uh, He he got in a a feud with the farm system guy because he (laughs) told them their prospects couldn't play. He was, you know, Daz Cameron. Is is it Daz, right? It was like the number two overall. Mike Cameron's kid. Yeah. You like him? uh, and uh, they, well, they, they drafted him like high, and they wanted. They were trying to sell the public this kid's on. And Eddie was calling him up every three days. I mean, Eddie Dougie was calling him up every three days. This guy stinks. Send him back to Double A. You know, and they wanted to have the public think he was on the cusp of of uh, turning around the Tigers. And uh, so and, is is he? So Minkavich, I feel like in three years, Minkavich went from. Potentially being be the in the manager. mix for a major league manager job to now being fired from the Toledo Mudhens. Well, what is interesting is he took over that Mudhens team in seven. Okay, well, yeah, let me 17. get my years straight. 17. Eighteen was his first year managing them. Yeah. yeah, eighteen. He took over that team. Yep. They had a mishmash, and he he won, and they loved him. I mean, he he. he Turned it into a good club. They loved him. They gave him a two-year contract. A year later, they fired him. So they, they, he's getting paid this year. You know, his son, Steele, I talked to him yesterday. His, his son is named Steele, and uh, God love him. Eddie, uh, Dougie uh, devotes a lot of time to him, but he's uh, he said the good thing about this pandemic and not having a job is I can work one-on-one with steel on a daily basis, and I'm thinking, oh, poor steel. Yeah, I was going to say, how's, how's steel feel about that? About dad, dad, dad who pulls no punches. No, no, you no. suck, dad. Truthful dad. Pat, I just went to Steelman. So Steelman Kavich has an Instagram account. Yeah. He's a teenager kid, right? Yeah, right. Okay, He's this is a, be blast. a freshman, right? This is a blast from the past. His Instagram, his his bio for who he is on Instagram is a Domingo Ayala quote. If you guys remember Domingo yeah, Ayala, yeah. the YouTube baseball yeah, you, player, you yeah. showed him what you me. play semi pro is the quote on Steelman Kavich's. <laughs> where's my, where's mom now? Where's Jody I, I these believe days? they're not together anymore, and I don't know if Steele is staying with both of them or not. But I don't. I think he and Dougie. <laughs> I think her and Dougie have gone their separate ways. Just, uh, that happens. Can yeah. Can't hey, imagine why. Before we uh, wrap the show here, Pat, I have to run my Mitch Garver nickname by you. Uh, I hope it isn't. I hope it has nothing to do with sauce. I hate that nickname. No, no, no. It's an ode to Babe Ruth. That's my, my only trouble with Sesto's. Okay, Garve sauce. 
Yeah. yeah well, that's not... all he ever calls him, even when he's talking about him. Yeah. Garb sauce. Not... Come on, Seth. No. Uh, mine, mine is more of an ode to the legendary Babe Ruth, yes. and it requires Mitch Garver to remain at catcher for the duration <laughs> yeah, of his nickname. Mitch Garver is the Sultan of Squat. <laughs> that ain't bad, except it could be taken in another, <laughs> you know, it could be taken in another way, you know. Pat, after a trip to Teresa's Mexican <laughs> yes, restaurant, is right. the Sultan of Squat. Sultan hey, squat. you know what? That's not a bad thing either, hey, though. Come on. I'd love, I'd Come love on. to be the Sultan. At 74, I'd love to be the Sultan of Squat. <laughs> so, thanks. Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> All right. Uh, Glad I got that coming up in my life. We wrap with Royce every Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday on the show. You can also find him as part of the Garage Logic podcast and Monday Night Sports Talk and the uh, Roycey Unchained podcast once a week with Judd, too. So, all right, that's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd. We will see you guys tomorrow for Write That Down Wednesday.